Hello and welcome to the Mark Groves Podcast. Well, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and today, as this episode airs, is Thursday, May 20th, and it is Mental Health Action Day. And so this episode is to inform us about what that might mean, some ways that it's being modeled in terms of companies, and also just taking action. You know, the actual act of listening to a podcast that's about improving oneself or expanding one's knowledge is an act of putting a deposit in to our mental, emotional, relational health. Just wanting to improve our relationships obviously will very much contribute to our mental health. I think this is always an important subject, and it is especially an important subject these days as we really see us as a collective going through a trauma together, really being starved of connection and being told that other humans are potentially bioweapons in that they're dangerous and, and healthy humans around us are dangerous. And no matter where you sit on the thought about asymptomatic spread or any of that, in our unconscious, that message has been really embedded And so I just want that to be, I want us to be mindful as we sort of explore connection and explore community and explore our very real need for other, that we are mindful of everything we've been through, that if you are feeling anxious or scared or sad or uncertain or any of those things, it's so normal. It's so normal. And I want to validate your experience of that and say, me too. I'm, I'm going through a lot too. I think we all are. There's a lot of things up in the air. And I just want to meet you there. And this work is important for us to do together. Not in silos, not alone, not walled up, but actually together. And you know, today we're going to talk about Mind, the app that I co-founded with my good friend Aaron Albert, because I really felt the need to create a safe space for people to learn and to, you know, what's so cool about the platform. So it's a lot like, you know, Peloton meets Netflix for emotional, relational, mental health in that it is live and on-demand classes. So you could mind and chill if you wanted to. It's live and on-demand classes on all these different types of subjects that you might want to improve or, or learn more about or grow in or be witnessed in. And so I'm super excited today to chat with Taryn Bird, who uh, is the Senior Director of Social Impact at Kate Spade and also the Director of the Kate Spade New York Foundation. I met Taryn through Serendipitous Connections, and I want to we do shout out a little bit to it, but I need to give an explicit shout out to the class by Taryn Toomey and Natalie Kuhn, who is one of the instructors there. Uh, she is amazing, and she is the shared connector that Taryn and I had, and the class has been incredible. If you're not familiar with it, I might butcher how they describe it, but I'm going to describe it how I experience it, which is hit meets Kundalini meets amazing transformative uh, ability to access expression and noise and get a sweat in. It's really, I, I love it. It's sort of like 
I don't know, movement that feels like psychotherapy. I love it. And those are my words, not theirs. That's how I feel about it. And Natalie is just an incredible teacher, very heart-centered. So if you're looking for some way to access the somatic body, get some expression out, some rage out, some love out, some emotion out, there's not a session with a class that I do not have a tear uh, move from my eye. And the first time I ever did the class, Natalie was the teacher and I remember being like, where's this tear coming? Why am I crying? And it's like, oh, wait, just let it go. Who knows? Let's just allow this alchemical process. So we're going to talk a bit about what that looks like, mental health in in the world. And as companies seek to have impact, What's cool about Kate Spade is that with Mind, we've partnered with them to bring a women's mental health series for the month of May. And there are numerous curated teachers on Mind that are some of the best in the world at what they do. And so whatever it is you're looking to learn about or grow in and just expand, it is currently free. And so you can check it out at no cost to you. Kate Spade was wonderful enough to uh, explore and seek to create a women's mental health series. And as I said, there's lots of different mental health series this month. I'm doing one on mental health and entrepreneurship, but you could think about that as intrapreneurship. And that's a word I just learned about employees within organizations taking a real entrepreneurial, taking a real entrepreneurial mindset. And I learned that from Kate Spade, which is what I love about them. So within their own organization, they have a mind, body, soul activation team. And they do events, they do community meditations two times a week, they have company-wide training in mental health first aid, and all the employees at Kate Spade have access and membership to Mind, which is incredible. And so we're super excited to be able to be an access point for their employees to be learning and expanding and improving their emotional health. And really, Mind, we see as the world's first emotional network, this ability to create community and connection. And what I've noticed is, let's say if I did an Instagram live and talked about something for, let's say, 20 minutes, I might get, you know, maybe seven, 800 people on live. And over that 20, 30 minutes, there might be five, 6,000 people who move through that. And with Mind, if I do a live for 20 minutes, they're the same people that begin stay to the end. So whenever you think like, where are my people going to be when I'm interested in these subjects? That's where your people are. You know, you start to think like, oh my God, where will I go? Where will there be community as I reinvent myself and change the way I think? That's where it is. So I'm super excited to be able to bring that to you. Um, You can go download Mind on whatever mobile device you have. If you go to download mind, M-I-N-E-D dot com. As I'm sure you're aware of, I do not work with a ton of brands. And the reason I don't is because if I'm going to bring it into your life, into your ear, into all the things, I have to be willing to bring it into mine. And I only want to partner with brands that have high levels of integrity, high levels of quality. And that's why I'm so pumped up to have found Organifi. You know, I had Drew Cannoli founder on the podcast. You should check out that episode. It's so great. You can learn a little bit more about him and his story and why he founded it. And if you don't know what Organifi is, it's a line of organic superfood blends that they they offer plant-based nutrition. And it's made with high quality ingredients. Each blend is science-backed. 
to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers and contain less than three grams of sugar per serving. So the green juice, which let's be honest, I don't know if you've ever had a green juice, but it usually tastes like lawnmower cuttings mixed with water. It's gross. It's actually super delicious. I have it every morning. It's just such a great way to start the day. They also have Organifi Gold, which is a superfood tea that supports rest and relaxation so you can wake up feeling refreshed. Each is easy to use. You just mix it with water or your favorite beverage while you're going, while you're out and about, and they do not compromise quality for taste. It's delicious. So they take pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. So all you got to do is go to Organifi.com slash create the love and use the code create the love and you get 20% off your order. And right now you get free shipping. And that's just specific to create the lovers. So once again, you go to Organifi.com slash create the love and the code create the love gets you 20% off any item and free shipping. I can't wait for you to try it out. So I couldn't be more excited to share with you today this episode because I was just enamored, impressed, and all the things about how Kate Spade and their teams are focused on mental health. And so without further ado, we're all going to learn a lot about this and we get into some real personal shares towards the end and just some tips on how do we proactively work on our mental health. And so let me meet you in that space uh, where we all need to be doing that that work all the time, which it really can be fun too. Without further ado, here is Taryn Bird on this very, very special day of Mental Health Action Day. So I am honored to have Taryn Bird here today, who is a Senior Director of Social Impact at Kate Spade, as well as the Director of the Kate Spade New York Foundation. So welcome. Thanks, Mark. I'm so excited to have you here because, um, I mean, first off, you were really the birthplace of the partnership that we've done with mine and Kate Spade on women's mental health. That's for for those of you listening, is running for free on Mind for the month of May, and it's really a deep dive and exploration of sort of total wellness or mental wellness, holistic wellness, and mm-hmm. it was really birthed through us finding each other through, you know, channels of people. And and so, so grateful to have you on here to be able to chat about something that is important always. And I would say, especially important today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. More important than ever. Yeah. Cause it seems as though, you know, of, of course, mental health has always been something that should have been on the forefront of our work of like what we want to, you know, what we should be providing in terms of proactive responses and all those types of things. Uh, but it's, oh my gosh, you know, I sort of look at what's going on in the world now and you can't help but just uh, want to provide more tools and want to provide more resources for people to cope and manage and possibly thrive and explore resilience and all the things. Totally. And I, and I feel like it was pretty cool. I felt like the way that um, kind of Kate Spade and mine came together and it was through shout out to Natalie Kuhn at the class yeah. because she was our like connection and we love the class at Kate Spade. And uh, I remember I was doing this 
this like event and I had texted her and I was like, Hey, do you know what the mind app I've been using the mind app for like three or four months? Um, I loved your guys content. And I was like, is this, is this going to be free for, for a while? Like I wanted to reference it as like a tool that I was using to help me kind of manage my mental health. And, uh, she was like, yeah, let me check with Mark and let me see what the deal is with that. And then here we are a couple months later and the content on the women's mental health series on mind right now is so relevant, so powerful, and so many amazing, amazing women sharing such wide varieties of topics, I think that are more relevant for women now than ever, and all different ages, all different races. Yeah, we're just, we're really jazzed to be standing alongside you guys um, on this journey you're on, because the app is so impactful, and I think it has the potential to help so many of us. Well, I, you know, I want to acknowledge Kate Spade because one of the things that you've done sort of in facilitating and exploring that relationship is that the company itself has wanted to be part of this conversation and part of this messaging without any desire for uh, any sort of like mention or like to do it just to do it, not to be like, hey, Kate Spade did this thing and blah, 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 blah. And I really was impressed by that, that it wasn't, you know, so often people, companies do things yeah. in order to be acknowledged. And I love that, like, this isn't a new conversation for the company, right? This is, you You wouldn't be a senior director in this space if this wasn't already a well-established area, you know, for you. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting you say that because I think the brand has always kind of operated that way, you know, do first, talk later. And I remember actually when I came to the company, it was honestly by total chance. I, uh, at the time I was living in Rwanda, I was, uh, I had just gone, I just gotten back from a trip with one of my, my friends, Celine. And, um, I took this overnight bus from Entebbe to Kigali, which was an experience was definitely an experience. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I have got to take a shower before I go to work. Like I am just like, like I got to make sure, like I really got to like, I really got to do that. And I missed like my bus to where I was, to where I was supposed to be. So my boss calls me up at the time and he's like, Hey, there's these Kate Spade people in Rwanda. This was about nine years ago. And they're thinking about doing some women's empowerment work. Like, would you mind taking them around to some of my, to some of our cooperatives and women that we work with? I remember the two people I met were so kind. I was nervous. I mean, like I was, you know, too, I was very, very nervous actually. And, um, so kind, so welcoming, so like, um, inquisitive and interested. And, um, but it was interesting because the, the man didn't give me his card. And I was like, huh, that's so interesting. I wonder why he didn't give me his card. Hmm. So I go back to my, I go back to my, um, like house at the time, my shared house with awful Wi-Fi, really bad Wi-Fi. And I Googled him and I was like, the Googling thing was like taking forever. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to, you know, uh, shut my computer and I'll look at this in the morning. And then I opened my computer in the morning and um, he was the CEO of the company. And I thought to myself like, whoa, okay. (laughs) You know, this is a big deal. I mean, there's CEOs coming on a scouting trip to, you know, vet out different partner organizations that they were going to be working with to do some women's empowerment work. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, whoa, I like one in, like, I totally want in. This is, this is amazing. Um, so I think I, I have always appreciated that about the company that it has always been a pretty um, do first talk later. Yeah. We might be in heels in a really nice dress, but like uh, we put the work in and um, yeah, that's, I think that 
I think that though, speaks a little bit to, I think, you know, I've been at the company eight years, but mm-hmm. from my understanding, that's always just kind of been part of the culture. Yeah. Well, I think so often. I mean, I mean, that's tremendous because that's obviously mirrored even by the CEO, like not needing you to know they're the CEO, just like there mm. to do the thing yeah. and not be yeah. like, guess what? I'm the CEO of Kate mm. Spade and I'm doing this nice thing. Get ready. Mm. You know, it's, I think that's what's, why I wanted to have you on and to have this conversation because this type of behavior should be normalized from organizations in that the desire Mm -hmm. to serve, because so it shouldn't be at the desire for profit. Like the other thing that I've loved about this conversation and this relationship is this isn't about providing access to mental health information to just your customers. This is for everybody. Mm. There's not like a, hey, go buy this thing or do. That's when an organization is truly, like authentically living when there's not something to get back, you know, like some Mm. sort of return. Even recognition wasn't a desired return. It was literally just impact and keep the rest. And I think that's so, to me, that's so powerful and so rare, especially from large organizations. Well, thank you for saying that. I feel like I feel like our journey into the mental health space has been one that has been quite a number of years, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, it actually started our our journey into the the women's empowerment and mental well being and mental health space started about eight years ago with our work in Rwanda. As part of our social impact portfolio at Kate Spade, we have a social enterprise initiative that's based in Masaro, Rwanda, which is about 45 minutes outside of the capital city of Kigali. And we were looking to do kind of a different way in which of going about doing women's empowerment work, investing in and sourcing from a uh, employee-owned, Rwandan-led, women-led supplier. What was unique about that experience and how that uh, partnership has been set up, our Rwandan colleagues uh, own a business called Abihizi Rwanda. Mm-hmm. Um, about 250 ladies from the local community work there have access to full-time employment, um, a suite of mental health support, as well as healthcare for them and every member of their family. Wow. In partnering with our Rwandan colleagues, initially we thought, okay, this is going to be an economic empowerment program, right? Like we're bringing this business into our supply chain. These women then have access to full-time employment. Um, and we really kind of initially saw this through an economic empowerment lens. And what transpired over the next couple of years was, um, you know, in addition to the economic security and empowerment that these ladies had access to, they also were had access to mental health support uh, through counseling, both individual counseling, group counseling. Um, and that kind of came about for a, a variety of different reasons. But it was interesting because in 2017, we did a study with Georgetown University where two professors were looking at um, the ways in which we were going about uh, these women. These women were, were getting access to empowerment programs. And a woman named Dr. Kathy Tinsley was specifically looking at the unique experience, employee, employee experience at Abihizi. And what she found was that because women had access to both economic empowerment and mental health support, or what they called in the, um, the study psychological empowerment, Mm -hmm. That these women were in fact more empowered. They had higher levels of voice, higher levels of choice, higher levels of power than women in a control group that only had access to economic empowerment or financial security. Wow. So like coupling those two together, because of course, economic empowerment is freeing and and we all know that because it's obvious. Right. Um, But then when you couple it with 
sort of the ability to converse, the ability to explore things in a safe space, the ability to learn about your mental health, just different dynamics of, of, of our emotional wellness, that yeah. they were significantly more empowered. Mm-hmm. I remember actually at the launch mm. of the report, we did this, we did this launch at Georgetown University, you know, back when we, we did events in person and <laughs> God, God rest fun. those. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> and, um, I remember Henrietta Kolb, who runs the gender secretariat at the Inter- International Finance Corporation stood up in the middle of that event. And she was like, what's so interesting about this work is that you've integrated mental health into women's empowerment. Mm. And I remember thinking at the time, Oh, that's interesting. You know, like that's, that is true. That's very true. It is. That's a really unique perspective. And uh, it truly became, you know, the birthplace through which now the lens through which we're applying all of our partnerships and our social impact portfolio at Kate Spade. And, Mm. you know, we, we lost our founder to death by suicide in 2018, Kate Brosnan Spade. And at the time, we made a commitment, a million-dollar commitment through our U.S.-based foundation to support mental health initiatives here in the United States. And, you know, we, we got connected with some absolutely amazing organizations. Um, the Jed Foundation, D.D. Hirsch, Crisis Text Line. I think, you know, we also recognized and realized that, you know, there was a very, um, there was a gap also in the women's empowerment space and the women and girls space. And mental health wasn't being talked about enough. Right. Like it wasn't being talked about. It wasn't being funded. It's not, you know, I think you see a lot more emphasis placed on the economics um, in a women's empowerment journey and a little bit less on her overall well-being and, and, you know, her own her own health, her own mental health. And so we feel like we have a really unique place to um a role to play and a really unique opportunity to really bring this issue to the forefront of the women's empowerment agenda. Yeah. And I think the, you know, in you mentioning this con this combination of mental health support with uh, economic support, it mm. almost seems so much like in hindsight, even as you said it, I was like, well, that seems like a no brainer now. Right. right. Like, but right. I think so many of us, uh, like would just think economic support or something will empower someone. Um, and it certainly will. But again, like in hindsight, it's so fascinating to think like what you combined was novel. And yet mm. now has, I would hope for all interventions normalized that that should be the baseline is that has it had an impact, you know, in the organ in sort of like industry in terms of social impact? Well, I feel like, you know, when I look at, well, I can talk about impact in two different ways. So one, have we seen impact with organizations that we work with here in the United States? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I can think of an organization that's based in New York City. Um, they're called Girls Inc. of, of New York. Um, they're an organization that serves girls in the New York City area. And we funded a program through the Kate Spade New York Foundation um, called Mind Body Matters. And it was all about mental health education for young girls in the city. And it was a digital platform. We actually partnered with them on it in February of last year. So this was prior to, I mean, we, we funded this initiative prior to COVID. And uh, I say that because it was a virtual, it was a virtual platform and they were looking to do something new and something um, that they had never done before as an organization. Just last month, we actually saw uh, one of their, their final report that came in and they were looking at the 500 girls who have been through the Mind Body Matters program. 
um, and found that they had about a 70% um, completion rate of freshman year of college for girls who went through the program the prior year, right? So 70% of those girls who went through Mind Body Matters completed their first year, their first year of college. This past year, what was really interesting was girls who went through the Mind Body Matters program had a 90%, 90% completion rate of their wow. freshman year. So we're, we're starting to see, you know, how this is manifesting and the impact that it's having for girls and women, you know, through, through various different partners that we have. And I will say as, as a brand, you know, we've made a commitment to, um, to support over 50,000 women with access to empowerment and mental health resources by, um, 2024. And so we're well on our way to doing that. Yeah. I feel like um, you're going to partnering... crush that right away. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're getting going and, um, right. Access is one thing. I think action is another, right. And so that's, you know, just coming back to mind for a second. I mean, that's one thing that we were so jazzed to partner with you guys on, right. It's like, you know, awareness and campaigns is so important in the mental health space, but also providing individuals and especially women with quick, easy ways to support themselves. I think the one thing about mine, and just to go back to this really quick, I think it's so great. I mean, the sessions on there are 20 minutes long, right? right? Like I can like sneak away and I can, you know, I can check in with myself. I can maybe like, you know, listen and do a conversation on family dynamics or on boundaries or on self-love or on vitality. It's going to take me 20 minutes and I can do that on my phone. And so we're really excited about this. Definitely the space of technology in women's men, women and girls' mental health, right? How that helps moms, how that can help, um, you know, working, working mothers, how that can help um, caretakers and caregivers who, who are just like spread so thin right now. I mean, when you look at the statistics yeah. on women with burnout and um, everything that women and girls are juggling right now, it's, it's immense. I mean, it's absolutely immense. So these kind of, I don't want to say bite size, but, but more um, also, you know, the, the, the really accessible ways in which we can support our overall mental health, I think are really important too. Yeah. That, and what's fascinating about mental health too, is that we're very reactive from a mental health mm. perspective. Like even like right. we knew lockdowns and coronavirus and like fear based media is going to have a toll. It has to, it's, that's obvious. That's not even, that doesn't need a study, but there are tons of studies to validate that. And mm -hmm. is like now the conversation about mental health and those impacts are happening because ER visits for suicidal ideation are way up. Mental health mm -hmm. disruptions at ERs are way up. Kids help phones calls are up. I forget how many hundreds percent suicide uh, in and overdose, you know, those types of things. Um, are all, and I, I think the right term is died by suicide, right? I remember that language. It is, yeah. yeah. And I want to yeah. be mindful of that language because I think it's really important. And, you know, in that context, I think what's changing, I hope, and I think it is, and I think through things like mine, through the initiatives like you're doing at the, at the company, we're trying to be proactive about these things. And, you know, so often in any other type of realm, like if it's business or mm -hmm, performance mm -hmm. or sports or, or or health, health actually we're often reactive to, especially men. And so it's like, oh, I yeah. have a bump, no big deal. Now, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of proactive campaigns teaching people to go get checked and all that kind of stuff. But man, with mental health, because it's not often tangible till it's tangible, you know, it's like, right. 
But with all those other things, we have a coach, we have a therapist, you know, we have someone who's like, make, you know, LeBron James is arguably one of the best basketball players in the world. And I'm sure people have opinions about that, depending where they live. But he has a coach, you know, like the top people in the world, the top tennis players, they all have coaches. I always mm-hmm. wonder why it is something with mental health that we've, we've been one taught that like having negative emotion is bad. And like experiencing mm-hmm. negative emotion means there might be something wrong with me as opposed to like, right. if you're feeling anxious right now and maybe sad and maybe uncertain, I, I have to say you're definitely in the majority. This is a normalized experience. If you weren't feeling, mm-hmm. I would be a little surprised. And I think, I hope, and I think it's true is that we're being much more proactive now. I think yeah. like starting to consider that, like, hey, it's easier to go from good to great than from really bad to really good. And that's usually what we want when things are really bad is I just want to figure out how to make this pain stop. And yeah. and there's, of course, in, important interventions in that space. And gosh, I can just feel a little down or a little off and mm-hmm. like an espresso shot of knowledge on mind or or wherever something mm-hmm. might be that, a meditation or... Um, and so I hope that I really think that this is contributing to a culture change. You know, you live in New York. So like my experience of New York is people are Brooklyn. Sorry. Um, my experience <laughs> of people in New York and just that culture is like people have yeah. a therapist, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. That's, that's like normal conversation, you know, like, right. well, my therapist told me this week. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, access to those types of things is one, it's, you know, it can be expensive, it can be hard to access, it can be hard to find a good fit. And, you know, I think yeah. that's where like consuming information and something that's frictionless, which is really consuming media, or consuming podcasts like this, mm-hmm. can be a way that we're proactive about it. And, you know, I want to acknowledge you listening, you're clearly proactive about it, if you're listening to my podcast, and probably consuming tons of other information. And so it's, I think having a company like Kate Spade normalizes it. And, and that's beautiful. And, you know, to know where it came from, like a really authentic first space to do the work and help support in women's empowerment, and then to sort of double down on it um, with the co- with the loss of Kate's life. You know, I think like um, something you said there, just to kind of ride the wave on that, but, you know, just speaking a little bit more to like the the, the women's experience in the mental, in the mental health space, but, but as it pertains to our empowerment, because when you look at even how women's empowerment is actually, um, globally looked at as successful, mm-hmm. usually it's that one of the key KPIs that you look at is how much money she's investing into her family and her to community, right? So it's how much money is the woman actually, giving? you know, if I think it's about like, how much is she giving? So it's about like, oh usually I think it's globally, I want to say it's about 70 cents for every dollar that she makes that she's investing into her family and directly into her community. And so one of our key KPIs for women's empowerment is how many arrows are going out, right? You know, and I don't think it's a, That's I don't bananas. think it's a question of should that be happening, right? It's a question of the question of and. How is she? How is she doing? How are we making sure that as an agent of change in her community, I mean, especially when you're talking about the global South, this is so incredibly important 
you know, how is she doing? How are we making sure that, that she's healthy and she's caring for herself and she has access to tools and resources so that she can continue to be that change agent in her family. She can continue to have those conversations that are breaking, you know, different cycles of the norms of what women have faced for years. How can she continue to show up and be a member, a very active member of her community, you know, and make safer spaces for kids, you know, more of their children going to school. The question of how are women I don't think gets asked enough in the global women's empowerment space. And that's something that I think, um, particularly with our work in Rwanda, that we've been very, very attuned to and partnership with our Rwandan colleagues and leaders that are, that are there, that we're not just talking about how much is she giving, but how much is she receiving and how healthy is she in that process? It seems um, completely ironic and inversely correlated to me that a measure of women's mental health any humans, but specifically women, and more so women, is a measure of how much is she giving. Like it's, it's that's women's, empower, women's empowerment. Women's oh, empowerment. women's empowerment. Yeah. That's still yeah. uh, really ironic to me because ultimately, right? one, I'd say for sure, there's an inverse correlation to giving. Uh, mm-hmm. Giving certainly makes us feel good. In a moment of giving, uh, we are we are in a state of like, you know, let's call it altruism. And there's a lot of arguments about altruism, but it's like, it would make sense to me that we have socialized generally women to give and give at Mm -hmm. the cost Mm -hmm. of self. Mm -hmm. And so like, you're really empowered, but by the way, your cup's empty. So we won't measure your mental health. It makes actually sense why no one measured those two things at the same time, because you would be like, Hey, I'm really giving, but I'm really sad or I'm really depleted or I'm really codependent. You know, I sort of think of like, and not codependency, people sort of see that title as like an insult or a criticism. It's not. It's a relational structure, a relational pattern. And we've certainly said, like, give at the cost of self. My God. Totally. The idea yeah. that empowerment is measured at, uh, on some level, that's like a measure of self-abandonment. Sometimes there would be like a line <laughs> where it'd be too much, you know? And that's, I mean, that's one of the key KPIs. There's other ones, but, but, you know, I think that that's so interesting and that, that uniquely mm. has been placed on women, right? That, that I don't think like <laughs> yeah, what's would, males that empowerment? very uniquely has, right? Well, when oh. you look at empowerment, like. Even as a word, voice, what does that mean? So when you break it down, and I actually, mm-hmm. I like the, uh, the Gates Foundation talks about it as voice, choice, and power, right? And I think that those are, those are three great ways to look at it. Because when I think about how does my mental health impact my voice? How does my mental health impact my power? And how does my mental health impact my choice? The answer to that is significantly, mm-hmm. absolutely significantly. Mm-hmm. What choices am I making for myself? How am I exercising my voice when I choose to speak up? And what power positions or what, you know, what, what, what is power to me and, and how am I defining that? And, and what am I going after? I mean, all of those things are so incredibly connected to, you know, your mental health and your overall well-being. you know, so I'm, I'm so happy we're having this conversation. And I do think that, you know, you asked this question, I didn't really get to answer it. I mm-hmm. do think that more the mental health agenda for women is becoming a lot more, socialized and talked about like at a organizational level, you know, with different organizations we work with in the New York city area, um, starting to really branch out and work with more national level organizations. The, the topic of mental health and the need for support for women to support their mental health, I think is becoming a lot more, the awareness is there. I think now we're at a point that it's like, okay, well, what, what is the action that we're taking? What are the resources that are being put into place? 
um, in order to, in order to support women, you know, on their own mental health journeys, because I think that's, that's a unique part to it, a unique part to mental health versus when you're looking just at economic empowerment, that it's very individualized. Right. And there's also a lot of, there historically had been so much stigma around it. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, breaking that down, I think has been a really important, a really important part of the collective journey. But now I think it's about, it's about action and, and how are we making sure that women have access to resources? And I think that is more the conversation in the mental health space for women and girls right now. Have you, in your experience, just one as a woman and and two as a woman whose uh, work is directly correlated to this, have you seen a massive shift in sort of maybe the decline of the stigma and also uh, maybe collectively uh, uh, as women, that conversation changing, altering, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that like in some way you know, asking for help, because that seems to be also, I think, for humans in general, but especially for women, it's like, I got it all together. I can hold up the job, the family, the thing. Um, Yeah. So I'm curious. Well, the answer to that question, I would say is yes, I have seen a shift. I think where I've seen a shift the most would be, um, well, let me, let me start with this. The study that um, Project Healthy Minds put out earlier this year, they were looking specifically at evaluating the mental health of Gen Z and millennials. Mm-hmm. They did a nationwide study and they found that one in three women that were a millennial or a Gen Z rated their mental health as fair to poor. Wow. And women also, and also really also correlated to much lower levels of overall um, health in comparison to men. And so I think that right there, that tells you that, you know, younger generations are, I think, you know, speaking, speaking up and and talking about this issue a lot more. You know, I think that there's been campaigns that have been so helpful in that conversation. Um, You know, I think about Heads Together, what, what that conversation that happened that came out of the UK. And, you know, there's a lot of conversation about it, especially, you know, this month, you know, around different whether it be the mental health coalition that's doing really amazing one-on-one conversations to brands that are really taking a stance. I mean, today mm-hmm. I think is, is this podcast is airing on um, mental health action day and, you know, so many brands and organizations, there's over a thousand of us, I think that have found signed up to mental health action day, which is all about putting resources together to help either your employees or your communities take action to support their mental health. So I do think that the shift is happening where I would say that I think that where there's been, again, going back to going back to resources and having the types of resources in place that, you know, there's, I think that there for a long time, it was like, well, if I'm going to get help to support my mental health, I got to go see a therapist, but actually there's so many ways to support Mm -hmm. your mental health. You know, like for me today, when I was thinking about getting ready for this, I was nervous for this podcast. So like, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to sign on an hour early today. Like I'm going for a run. Like I'm going Mm -hmm. for a long run because that is what's going to shift my mindset into where I want to be for this conversation later today. Or, you know, there's, there's just so much, there's so many ways in which, and it doesn't have to be so, I think like caring and tending for your mental health doesn't always have to be this like really dark thing either. Right. right? It can actually be like joyful and fun and you can like find community. I mean, heck Mark, I met you through like a friend that, you know, that like, uh, was also, is also in the wellness space. And like, there's, there's a lot of community and connection, I think, in saying like, 
either I'm interested in this or like I, you know, I, uh, I live with, you know, this mental health challenge. And so finding other people that also experience that I think is, oh God, it's so freeing. I mean, there is nothing more powerful than somebody saying me too, right? right. Like there is nothing. Right. I mean, it's just, it's so, it's so freeing on so many levels. And I actually, I, I used to um, go to Al-Anon a good bit, which is the family support group for family members of alcoholics. It was, I just remember, you know, those circles and that sharing of their story, the sharing of the story. And, and but this is the part I think that I, that I really loved so much was talking about resilience and hope, mm-hmm. you know, like in hearing somebody else's story can just be so hopeful and kind of that like, well, man, if she or he can do this, like I can totally do this too. And so there's, I think that there's like a side to it too, that like, and there's a lot of organizations working on this, but like the mental health does not have to be this like really dark thing. It can actually Mm. bring a lot of joy and light and love and laughter into your life and ways too. And, and to not let it like, um, kind of like scare you off because it might, it, it doesn't always have to be so, um, yeah, it's so dark. Yeah, I, I love that you're saying that because I think that's the idea is like, what am I going to find in there? You know, as mm, opposed yeah. to like, right. maybe you'll find community, actually. Maybe you'll find acknowledgement. I think the idea too that mm-hmm. it's some sort of lonely thing that, you know, as you said, you know, the by the time someone goes and seeks the therapist, it's often at this place where they sort of have to rather than are choosing to, you know, right. um, when it's not a proactive culture, which, you know, and obviously in some places that's changed. Now, the other side of that, too, is someone who I both see therapist and and obviously and, and a coach and I work on the other side of having the access to lots of people's thoughts, feelings and opinions and experiences. Mm -hmm. And what I notice on mind, because it's a one to many, right? It's like me live. And then like I did a a episode on boundaries and for you listening, all the episodes are recorded. So you don't have to watch them live. You can go, uh, I guess, mind and chill. Is that a thing? Um, And so (laughs) you, I did one on boundaries, right? Mind and chill. (laughs) And we had like, I had almost 800 people on the live talking about boundaries, which is obviously a really important subject for mental health. What I loved about it is when I asked something like, who feels that way? Who identifies with this? Who does that resonate with? Who is, does this sound like you? It's like literally hundreds of people are like, yes, me, 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 me. And what I, what I love about that, because of course I resonate with, feeling like I'm not enough, not having it yeah. figured out, right? Like I I have moments of all of those things, sometimes longer moments than I want. And I just recognize exactly what you're saying, which is feeling witnessed just because you're in a group where you're like, I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, ultimately it makes sense that the healing of our mental health or the healing of whatever we're going through really is powerful in the container of community Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I find what's fascinating about pain is that often it's a reason that we isolate ourselves no one understands me no one else is going through what I'm going through no and so it becomes this way where we get the message gets reinforced by the isolation of self Mm -hmm. as opposed to like we can just get a taste of oh, maybe I'm not so alone and maybe other people won't judge me or whatever it might be. And yeah. man, 
some of my greatest healings occurred in groups where I was so terrified and so vulnerable. And so, but then to have the container hold you in your sort of mess and be like, we love you anyway. And you're like, Mm -hmm. oh Lord, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, (sighs) I think like, and I think that, you know, that, um, I mean, that's been so true for my own, you know, personal experience and, and my own mental health and healing journey that I've been on the last few years. And mm-hmm. tell us more about like, that. It, well, you know, I mean, it's, I think that we're all, we all got skin in this game, right? Like right. everybody has skin in the mental health game. I mean, statistically, we know that to be true. And um, in some ways, I think we're looking at like a pandemic after a pandemic. Right. Like in terms I totally of agree. Yeah. how even many exponentially of us, greater. I mean, even if you look at what's going on, like in Japan right now, like there is a secretary of loneliness at the cabinet level of the government and individuals whose job it is to address loneliness in the country. And when you were talking about loneliness market, that really that really connected with me because I think that sometimes you go through these life experiences and you think you're the only one you think Mm -hmm. you're like, like, you know, no one could, no one could understand what I'm going through. And, and, you know, there's an element to that. I think that is, you know, that, that, that isolation can sometimes be a little bit of a, uh, of a protective container, Mm -hmm. I think, because when you meet other people who have been through similarly, what you have, you're also bearing witness and hearing, you know, their, their healing journeys. And that, that requires action. That requires taking right. steps. Like that requires someone calling you forward, you know, and saying like, I did this, you can do this too. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting. I, I, I started my career in the women's empowerment space pretty young. Um, I got, I got this amazing opportunity at 22 years old to start a global corporate citizenship program at the U S chamber of commerce. Damn. And yeah, it was quite a, it was a pretty, um, I was really fortunate in that this is going to come back to answer your question. Yeah. And also, you know, it was, it was, uh, maybe I was 23. I might've been 23, but my Enneagram. So I just got really into the Enneagram and I'm, I'm a two. So I'm, I'm, you know, the giver I, literally. And then I look at like the job I got into and I'm like, whoa, okay. This, <laughs> this <is really." laughs> like, I'm getting paid it for my like, superpower. This is great. Right. Yeah. There we go. And, um, for, I don't know, what was that? Um, 10 or so years, you know, like my, my job consisted of really providing resources for women to find their voice choice and power. Right. Mm -hmm. And to, to talk about that and to, um, you know, really work to also highlight when we, when I was at the chamber of commerce, you know, brands that were doing this really well. Mm -hmm. I remember when I came back from Rwanda after my first trip, I had taken a sabbatical from the U S chamber of commerce and I moved to Rwanda to go get field experience because I was, you know, a few, quite a few years into it. And I just was like, you know, this is, this is an awesome job, but I need more field experience. Like I really need to understand how women's empowerment works in the field. And, um, I remember coming back and at the time when I came back there, there was a woman, her name was Lila Jana, and she was the CEO of a company called Samasource, which in the social enterprise space, she was, you know, our front runner. She was, she was the, uh, she was the leader in terms of um, looking at communities that I think no one would look at it with a with an empowerment lens or a, a commercial lens. And and she coined 
a concept called micro work, which was all about um, providing low income individuals in communities around the world with access to technology jobs and syncing them up with very large tech firms like LinkedIn and lots of different, lots of different technology companies. And I share that because I remember coming back from Rwanda my first time and she was speaking at an event that we were putting on at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. And, and she looked at me and she said to me, she was like, Taryn, I will never forget this. We were on the steps. We were on the steps. And she said to me, you know, what you're doing here is important. I don't want you ever to forget that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you have those moments that like, you're like, whoa, like, I really felt that. Like, mm-hmm. I really, really felt that. And um, because for so long, I never felt that about myself. I was always looking to the external world in order to validate. And um, she she passed away January of last year. You know, she was just such a, oh gosh, she was just, she was so amazing. And, but my last conversation with her was not about work. It was about trauma. And it was about healing your own trauma and why that was so important. And um, I lost my mom to death by suicide on November 23rd, 2016. And it's set me on a path of doing work for myself that I had been, you know, working so hard and diligently to help other women do. And I, and I, and I think that like, and you've said this before, I've heard you say this on your podcast before, you know, like you get into the job that like you need, I forget how you say this, but like, you're like called to it in a way. Cause like, you know, you need it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that like, there's something there you don't understand or you don't know to be true. And so like, you can't, you get into it because you recognize that it, it, it it's also filling you in a way that you don't know how to, you know? And yeah. that has been a very, very true experience for me. And the last four years have been, I live with post-traumatic stress. Hmm. Um, I choose to say, I leave out the disorder. I don't say disorder. I, I, I say post-traumatic stress and I live with, which I feel like is a empowering statement and not, I suffer from, or, um, you know, Mm, I'm challenged with or right. Because the words mean, I think so much, so much. And, um, and so that's been, you know, I've been doing the things that, that I've watched other women do and, you know, telling your, telling your story, right? Like hearing those words come out of your own mouth versus feeling like an event or something in your life mm-hmm. is going to define the outcome and, and how you're going to live for the rest of your life. But hearing yourself say those words out loud and you defining the narrative, you deciding the choices that you're going to have after it, you exerting your power, you know, you exerting your choice and getting to those places. Like I was an athlete, like I played soccer my, my whole life. And hey, so there were very, few- so did I. Yeah, you did. Yeah. What, posi- what position? What position? I was a stopper at the beginning, and then I was, a sw- or sorry, a sweeper and a stopper, and then I was a center midfielder. Ah. I got bored at the back. What about you? The so center midfielder, you were just running all the time. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of running, but I loved it. It was nice to be in the transition position, you know, the space between. Mm. Um, I loved yeah. it. Yeah. What about you? I was defense. But I was like the one who would like follow the, like if there was like a, a goal scorer or like the front, you know, the, 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 mm-hmm. the woman who was on the front line, it was like really going to like do a number on us from like a, 
from like a scoring perspective, oh, and my job yeah. would be just to like stay on her, you like for like the duration of the game. Yeah, yeah. You were the yeah. shadow. Shadow. <laughs> yep, I was the shadow. Yeah, that's I was good, totally that's the a trusted shadow. position. Um, I was the shadow. So sorry, you were saying though about you played soccer and as an athlete. Oh yeah, you know I think it was interesting just going through going through grief and learning to live with post traumatic stress and hypertension mm-hmm. and and all of these things, you know there's so much of it you can't control no matter how hard or how much work you put in. Mm -hmm. I think that that and the lesson in itself of like learning to release, release control and welcome the process was one of the most difficult decisions for me because I was always taught like put in more hard work, you know, put in the grind, like put in, the time and the energy and you'll be able to achieve what, whatever you want and not whatever you want, but what you're setting out to do, you know? And I think, uh, going through the last couple of years, I've also recognized and really sat with how, um, how much welcoming the process can be more important than just getting like the outcome that you want in the short term. And that was dramatically different than what, than what I had my like ways of being, you know, the -hmm. conversations around neuroplasticity are just so fascinating to me because I didn't even know the brain was able to be like reprogrammed in ways that we now know to be true. I think that's really hopeful and exciting, you know, especially if you've been through trauma, you know, you think that like these events or these moments in your life are going to dictate the course and going to dictate the narrative. And mm-hmm. so so much of the work that we do at Kate Spade and that we fund, actually, a lot of them are workshops on storytelling, partnerships with organizations like The Moth. Um, there's an organization mm-hmm. in Rwanda that we work with. Oh, they're just the yeah. best. I mean, their showcases Beautiful. are so powerful. Mm-hmm. So powerful. And I think hearing another woman or man's story, you know, and their experience can touch you so deeply because you're saying, whoa, you know, like wow, she or he went through this. Like, I can do this too. You know, like I, I can see myself. I can see myself a little bit in that experience. I can see myself a little bit in that story. You know, when I think back on like the last the last 10 years and, mm-hmm. and having the real privilege of really getting to work in Rwanda pretty, um, pretty consistently. I mean, I mean, we're, we're there quite a number of times a year, obviously not this past year. And um, I mean, if you want to know what resilience feels like spend one day with a Rwandan woman and you will bear witness to what resilience is. And I think a lot of times when you're in kind of even roles that are, that are giving type of roles, whether that's a mother or within like an organization, a lot of times you're asked like, well, well what are you giving? You know, what's, what, what, what are you, what are you doing? And, and not a lot of times we're asked like, well, what's coming back to you. And I think like for, for me personally, bearing witness to resilience and having the opportunity to just be surrounded by it has been one of like the greatest gifts of, Mm. of this professional experience for me. Um, and has filled my cup in so many ways. And you, you did a podcast on that. You did a podcast on filling your cup and I forget not filling your cup, but there was a woman on your podcast that was speaking to filling your cup. She was really funny. Hmm. Blanking on her name. Be Aaron Sky Kelly or Amy Young or. Really funny. Amy Young. It was Amy. Amy's yeah. really funny. Yeah. Yes. And like that, I, I, she was talking about filling your cup. 
And we talk about that. We talk about that on uh, my, my team. You know, we talk about like, what are we doing to fill our cup? What's good this week? Like what's filling your cup this week? And that's mm. how we start all of our team meetings. I feel like filling our cup as women is so, so important and so easily forgotten. So foreign often, you know, mm-hmm. I, have you ever seen that movie Joy with Jennifer Lawrence? Mm-hmm. No. Oh my gosh. Whenever anyone's like, what's codependency? I'm like, watch Joy and then watch her reclaim her life and take a freaking stand. It's like a total movie of just like reclamation from a codependent pattern. Oh, but wow. in it, it's just like, it's such a powerful shift of minds. Everything just, you know, we always wait till it's like shit's hit the fan. Now I'm ready to yeah. lay boundaries. Well, the right. boundaries were needed many miles <laughs> ago, uh, you know, and so um, I did want to acknowledge uh, one, thanks for trusting me and trusting us with uh, your story and, and with your experience with your mom. And and I'm curious because, you know, when one thing that you sort of touched on in all of that, it was interesting how you said like one thing about giving organizations is there's not often the question of like, what do you sort of get back from that? Mm. And it was interesting because that sort of paralleled with uh, the measure of uh, empowerment, you know, of, mm. of like the measure of empowerment is giving. And it's like, as an organization, you got that you experienced personally, uh, resiliency and just this witnessing of resilience. And I, I just was sort of curious in your experience of like having been in the work and seen all this resilience and then experienced uh, the passing of your mother and then the passing of Kate Spade and your commitment to language, which I also wanted to acknowledge because I know, I think it's David Cooper Ryder who says, uh, words create worlds. And I I think like words can either free us or imprison us and neither is right or wrong. It's just one's more freeing. And so Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious as you were like been in the work, been then through your own loss and then through the loss of Kate and then, you know, like how all of, because it seems also sort of like in a way perfectly woven together. Uh, and I don't mean to say perfectly in a way that negates your experience or or gives, uh, you know, well, there's purpose in everything. I don't mean to say that. Yeah. Curious just what yeah. your thoughts are on all that. You know, I think that um, when you talk about like woven together, I think what I, when I think about, um, you know, having lived experience and, and how, and how uh, like how much I think lived experience can inform so many different types of decisions that we make. And let me just say too, you know, I could have very well said anything, something that I just, that I, that I did. So I don't have this down perfect. I'm learning to as, as, <laughs> as, as I am, right? Like, and words do create worlds. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why it's so important about like commit suicide versus death by suicide, right? right. And um, especially for those of us that are, that are left, right? And, and, mm you know, also feeling as though, you know, how we remember those that we lost and not defining them by the way that we lost them. And like, that has been, you know, I'm actually, you know, I'm wearing my mom's 1973, I want to say cheerleading jacket. say you're rocking some vintage there. Yeah. Yeah. My sister actually this weekend was my nephew's, was my nephew's first birthday and she had her jacket from she was a pitch leader 
And so I, she was like, do you want, do you want, do you want this? And I was like, yeah, I definitely <laughs> would like this. And so I'm staying in Pittsburgh right now. And I was like, you know what? I just feel like I want to wear this today. And, you know, I think that my personal experience with, um, with loss and the, what it, you know, what it then with loss, particularly with, with death by suicide loss, but then what it catalyzed in my life, mm-hmm. which was, there's a term that I've also really, I've really learned to welcome um, and believe in, which is post-traumatic growth. Yeah. That you can actually grow from these really traumatic experiences in your life. And if, if you let them, you know, if they, if you let, if, if you let the process in that you can in fact grow out of what feels like is going to completely cover you. Right. And mm-hmm. that I think that piece in terms of, you know, the different things that, that I'm learning, you know, I am learning a lot from women that I've had the opportunity to meet through my job, right. Women that I've had the opportunity to meet in uh, not only in Rwanda, but also with our partners here in the U S and there's so much more that connects us than divides us. You know, when we really get down to it, like there's, we have so much more in common than we do not in common. Unfortunately, mental health is one of those issues that a lot of us, regardless of, you know, like our political affiliation, you know, our income status, our, the gifts in the world that we were either born with or not born with, you know, mental health is something that permeates all of those different things that could otherwise, you know, divide us. And I think that that's definitely been a real gift of getting the opportunity to especially meet, you know, other folks that, and I've been really open with my story um, more so recently, you know, I think it takes time to get comfortable with your story. And I think you should never feel like you have to share it before you're ready. Like, I think that that's something that's really important because it's especially, I think this is really important if you've been through trauma or if you're, if you're a woman, like it is important to hear those words come out of your own mouth when you're ready. And when you can feel it in your body, that it is the right time and that, you know, and that there's purpose and there's a reason behind it. Like, and I think sometimes like vulnerability can be thrown out as this way of the way that we have to be in the world in order to like be meaningful. And I think that with, with really sensitive and tender parts of ourselves, like it sometimes takes time and and that's okay. You know, you don't have to rush into like this, like this outwardly facing I'm strong and healed identity. When, if you're, if you're not there, like that's okay. And I think that's a big part of it too, right? Like saying like, you know, I'm not okay today and I might, you know, need some extra help. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's actually where that that has been probably the most challenging, to be totally honest, is in work. Mm-hmm. Is in work to say, you know, like I work with a fabulous group of humans. I mean, like absolutely fabulous. And um, on my direct team, I work with three women who are just the bee's knees. Like they are, you know, and and learning to say like, guys, I I I'm going to need you. I need your help on this. Like I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe I'm not thinking clearly about this or I have a little bit of a bias. So like, I'd really like you to look at this and like, make sure that it feels right or it, you know, and, 
And I think that like, we all have our different places where our perfectionism or like our control really wants to like, you know, zero in on it, zero in. And and for me, you know, that was work for a long time. And so I think like a piece to that of my personal journey and story has also been to like, you know, ask for help at work when I need it. You know, there's, we have teams for a reason, you know, and we're not meant to be, you know, like there's, there's, um, and, and when I think about being on an athlete, like, I mean, if I was having like an off day, like, heck yeah, I'd be telling like, you know, the sweeper, I'm thinking of like my really good friend, Katie Surma, who, you know, she was the sweeper on my soccer team. And, and she's also been a really important woman in my life. Um, as I've gone through this last couple of years and like, I'd be telling her, Hey Katie, my right leg is like really off and that's my strong leg. Right. Mm -hmm. So like Mm -hmm. if, if I get a ball on the right side, like I'm going to need you to cover me because I just don't got this. And like that same mentality, I feel like needs to be true and and hold true and and thinking about it that way of of even like our mental health, because we'd be so quick to talk about that for our physical health, but just definitely like more timid and, and not as maybe a little bit more shameful. um, If that has to do with, with our mental health, which is something that I'm hopeful that coming out of this experience will start will start to change. Yeah, and I I I hate to think that it's because we have to, but if that's what it takes in order for like don't wait till we have to, you know, do it just because you feel right. a bit off. Do it because your intuition's like, eh, there's more here. You know, like mm-hmm. just that sense alone is returning back to the intuitive feeling and this idea that we have to do it alone. Uh, well, no, that's the reason there's the saying, it takes a village. And, and oh, I, totally. when I think what's beautiful is this opportunity to, although technology can obviously be destructive in a lot of ways, it can also be the village. And, mm-hmm. and that's a beautiful thing when technology and community are safe spaces and spaces that their intention is growth, healing and all that. And there's no trolls. Uh, that's always elf helpful too. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, I want to be mindful of your time and, and, and just think like, that's such a beautiful request that you've made of people to end on of, of like ask for help. And I'm curious, you know, ask for support if you, you know, and, and I'm curious on top of that, is there anything that, you know, if someone's exploring the subject of mental health, exploring or just feeling their edges, if, you know, through what you've been through, if there's any tips or thoughts or ideas that you have? Well, I think I'll, I think the first thing that I'll say is, is that I think when you're really going through it, and I can say this from a personal experience, you're really in like, you're in a tunnel, right? And like, mm-hmm. whatever ways in which you can help to open that tunnel a little bit through different resources. There's so many resources out there. And I'll just, I I am going to make a plug for a roadmap that we also did with the Mental Health Coalition. That's a Mm -hmm. mental health roadmap for women's mental health. Sweet. And lists all different types of organizations. Maybe if we can put that like in the the show show notes, notes, no problem. Cool. It's a great resource um, and gives links to organizations that are specifically serving different demographics of women and have very kind of unique and, and niche services. So I think that's the first piece is that there's a lot of resources out there right now. But I think like, honestly, I think the piece that, um, the piece that I think, and I, and I, I'm going to speak specifically, you know, I don't think this is, you know, this isn't gender specific, but being honest with yourself and being honest with maybe it's just one friend, you know, start small. 
You don't have to, you know, boil the ocean here. Like it's, it's small steps. I think that like that, just taking, like sending that text message or maybe leaving, maybe you don't want to talk to somebody on the phone. So you're going to send them a voice memo, right? Or, you know, maybe, you know, you want to send an email because you don't feel comfortable enough doing it in person. Like, you know, you can, you can take small steps and ways to, to reach out for help if you need it. You know, I think that the last thing that I'll say though, that I think has been really helpful for me and does relate to my job. There's so much value. And I think so much, so much healing that can be found in finding and living um, your purpose and what you're passionate about. Right. Mm-hmm. And giving back to others, like, and how powerful that is, not only for those that you're serving, but also for yourself in some ways. And I think that like that act of being of service to somebody else, um, I mean, you'll never, the impact that your, your story or your experience can have on somebody can be immense. I think that like being of service and, and really knowing kind of who your community is and ways in which that you can give back can be so powerful. I know for me having purpose these last four years and really like being very strongly connected to it has done so much for my own mental health, but also um, exposed me to people like people like you, Mark, and like lots of other, you know, amazing individuals who are doing just such incredible work in the world. And so I think like being of service and knowing your purpose and or exploring your purpose and the expression of your passion, I think is just so important and the world needs more of it, no matter how large or how small, you know, like every little bit really matters. Like I love actually the work that um, the Born This Way, the Born This Way Foundation does. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Lady Gaga and her mom, Cynthia Germanata, um, that's led by a woman named Maya and just this amazing team. And they talk about the power of kindness, the, this, the science behind kindness and how incredibly important kindness is not only for those that receive it, but actually for the person that gives it. Oh yeah. And, so powerful. Right. And little acts of kindness make a absolute like huge difference. And to never think that like one little one action that you might think is so small, you know, could, or a smile like that you're passing maybe to a homeless person on the street, you know, that maybe, you know, you wouldn't have looked at twice, but that morning, for whatever reason, you're going to pass them, you know, you're, 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 you're smiling at them and you're acknowledging them and you're, and you're, you're saying good morning and you're seeing, you know, maybe how they're doing like that. That might be the only conversation that they have that day. You know, I think about that sometimes I, I, um, I was a yoga assistant before, before COVID mm-hmm. happened where we would go around and we would assist people in poses, right? So say you're in like warrior yeah. one or warrior two or whatever, and your hips are off. Like I'd be the one that would go around and like move you. Like I would like, I would, I would kind of like fix you so you could get like deeper in the pose. And I remember one time after class, someone said to me, you know, like, like that was the only time somebody touched them, you know, uh-huh. like they, like that, like in how, you know, that little assist, I think I like fixed their arms or something like in like, it, like I, I did like just a tight, like a light, light little assist. And, um, you know, how small actions that we can take can really significantly impact somebody's day or even their life. So, yeah, I guess that would probably be my, uh, what I, what I'd say to answer that question. I love it. I love it. The, 
ability to just provide an, uh, a window, not even a window, a witness, you know, to just witness someone through a smile, through an acknowledgement of their existence, which who knew mm-hmm. how powerful and healing that can be. And, you know, I want to say thank you to you for your time, for sharing, for uh, the work that you do both personally and for Kate Spade, um, just for your invitations to us today, to how we can transform ourselves and, and just some of the insights that you've garnered. And and thank you for uh, engaging in and believing in mind and helping bring that forward. And I'm just so excited to be able to release this conversation on such an important day. So I appreciate you. And if you can let everyone know where they can find out more information and all that kind of stuff, that'd be great. And we'll put the links in the notes. Totally. Yeah. So we're, you can um, find more information on our website. Uh, We are in the process of updating it, but we do have some great content on there right now. And then if you were really looking for more information and maybe we can also put this in the show notes, I can, I can uh, send kind of some of those studies that I referenced um, yes, that we're pulling on some of our work in Rwanda. And, you know, today you can, I think probably like, well, I know you can today. Um, we're going to be uh, featuring our partnership with Mind on Instagram and a swipe up to download the app. And so if I could leave everybody with one action, it definitely would be download that mind app and take a simple action to support your mental health today. Um, Because all it takes is one first step. And then all you got to do is build from there. And all you got to do is go to downloadmindmined.com on your phone and it'll open in whatever type of phone you have in your app store. Karen, thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you too, Mark. And thank you to the Mind team and everyone that you work with. You work with a really, really wonderful group of people. And um, we've also really enjoyed, you know, getting to know you all and and looking forward to what's next. Mm, Shout out to all of them for helping make this happen. Amen. Amen.